Lord, we do thank you for this day. We know that you are moving. Your spirit is here. Have your way that we might celebrate you and do so in a spirit of truth. Free us up to be able to understand your word, that we might live it out and encourage others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This uh, story is taken from the L.A. Times as well as Parade Magazine. In 1981, he said, I asked the principal of the school how many kids would go to college. And he told me maybe one. Self-made millionaire Eugene Lang, who greatly changed the lives of a sixth grade class in East Harlem had this experience. Mr. Lang had been asked to speak to a class of 69 sixth graders. Excuse me, 59 sixth graders. What could he say to inspire these students, most of whom would drop out of school? He wondered how he could get these predominantly black and Puerto Rican children even to look at him. Scraping through his notes, he decided to speak to them from his heart. Stay in school, he admonished, and I'll pay the college tuition for every one of you. At that moment, the lives of these students changed. There was a sense of hope. Said one student, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. Nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school. Family, today as we are in this season of Advent, we will be uh, coming to understand the beauty of hope, hope that is fulfilled in Christ, hope that gives us something to look forward to, hope that invests in us and will reap a return, hope because God is the one who fulfills his promises. We're uh, Uh, In this season of Advent, which means coming, and it refers to Christ coming to earth, dwelling among us. And we know that God is a part of everything. First, uh, the first chapter of Colossians tells us that by all things, he was created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him and for him. But Advent is a little different. Advent refers specifically to him entering into humanity and dwelling among us. He does that as as a child. He comes as a baby, and we celebrate during this season Jesus entering in, starting this journey that will ultimately lead to the cross, but starts with him coming in and being fully God and fully man. For many of us, when, when, when we were raised, we were not raised in a Christian environment that taught the stories. We may have gone to church or we might have said, hey, man, we might have even prayed over the peas, but we didn't necessarily get the stories of Christ. And so Christmas oftentimes is about the gifts or it's about having meals with family or it's about eggnog. Come on, somebody should have said amen. <laughs> but but about there being a need for a savior, sometimes that story gets left out. And so today as we celebrate, we celebrate because this is a holy day 
and you get the days off of work and the time out of school and all that's going to be happening soon. And we call them holidays. But this is a holy time in which we are reverence, giving reverence to Christ for coming into our lives. So the scriptures that we're going to use to help us break that down, and I'm trying, I'm going to try to try to be brief, uh, but it's just so rich, is Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. It'll be up here on the screen, but you can also check it out by your knee. There's a pew Bible. Romans chapter 1, excuse me, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And it reads, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we not in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God, God's love has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Verse one, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justification, justification it's, it's being justified. It means that we have peace with Christ. It's the action of showing something to be right showing something to be to be made right, to be placed in good standing. Uh, how many of y'all, uh, maybe you're not supposed to raise your hand, but was a, a troubled kid back in the day? Mm-hmm. Got that Dennis the Menace tattoo on your arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wish I could say I was in that group. Nope. I liked everybody. I wanted to get along with everybody. Two friends fighting. I'm trying to make men's. Come on, let's be cool, guys. Don't fight. That, that, was, that was my MO. Except this one day. Uh, this one day, the, the, the racial profiling and the stereotype was accurate. I was the black guy in the store stealing. There was a candy bar. I didn't have the money. That Nestle Crunch looked good. Me and my homie, we set it up. Okay, if you go out the front door, they know. But if you go out the back door, which is the door we usually go out, they don't say nothing to you. So we go to grab this Nestle Crunch, grab it. I'm walking down and slide it up my sleeve. And as soon as I turn the corner, the store attendant is waiting right there. And he grabs my arm and says, what are y'all doing? I know you guys are stealing. What are you doing? But God must have knew about the whooping my daddy would have gave me because he slid that Nestle Crunch up here. And the man had my wrist. He did not feel the Nestle Crunch. I got away with it. Guilty. As far as I can remember, that was the only time I've stolen something because I was terrified. But I was guilty. See, justification is God doing something for us that takes guilty people and makes them right before God. We did it. The crime was committed. We were all guilty of this disease called sin, and it had hurt God's heart. But what Jesus did, Jesus says, no, I will be the one that makes you right. 
I will take your heart and make it pliable, able to receive me. I will put you in right standing with God. And so we were, we have justified, been justified by faith. And that allows us to be at peace with God. But, but, but pastor, you got the plants up here and the candles and we just sang about Christmas. Tell me what does this verse have to do with Christmas? We're going to get there. Stay with me. Let's go to verse two. Because I know you're thinking about Jack Frost nipping at your nose and all those things. I got you. Just be patient. Verse two. Through him, we also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What is grace? Grace is, is, an, is an unmerited favor. It is, it is God's love lavished upon us when we don't deserve it. And hope is an expectation of a belief that's going to be fulfilled by something God can only do. So, so, so this guy named Charles Scribner, I'm scared to come out here. We'll see if it goes woo, woo, woo on us. All right. So this guy named Charles Scribner, and, and you'll see throughout the Bible, you see these illustrations of the people of Christ being the body or, or the people of Christ, there being a vineyard illustration. There's a lot of illustrations to life. So what he says is, imagine yourself in a field. Imagine yourself at a farm. And you look around and all you can see is a sea of ripe, harvested plants and fruit ready to be taken. That's what grace is. Grace surrounds you. You've been placed in this place of grace due to Jesus justifying you. But if you were to look down at the soil, the richness of the soil, that's your hope. That's you believing in God, fulfilling the promises that he's made to you and the things that he's going to do. So you somehow now have this harvest of grace all around you, but your feet are firmly planted in his promises, in his in this hope that is within you. And so that's important during this Christmas time, because Christmas is painted as this joyful, really fun kicking it experience where kids are smiling, running through the aisles, and you see this just joy, delight, and sunshine. But that's actually not the environment that, that, that the Bible paints. It actually paints a very different picture, but it gives us the ultimate picture, and then it gives us this picture of our reality. The ultimate picture can be found in Revelations 21. You see, he's gonna have, we're going to have the glory of God. Our hope is in the glory of God. And Revelation 21, starting at verse 5, tells us what the, what the glory of God looks like. It says, and he who was seated on the, on the throne says, behold, I am making all things what? I'm making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said, To me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give the spring of water of life without payment. To the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. What is this glory of God? It's God making all things new that you would be able to experience no worry, no doubt, 
no pain, no hurting, no drama, no fear, no lack. It is everything you could actually imagine and then more. You lack and desire nothing. And when he makes all things new, that's going to be the case. So our hope, our ultimate hope is in him making everything new. No hurt, no pain, no drama. Hard for us to think of. Hard for us to imagine. Because we woke up this morning and somebody had to get up a little slow. That body, that body be talking to you. You can't just jump up like you did when you was 13. Some of us as students have been studying and you read that book and you got to read it again and again because your mind ain't clicking and it takes you 20 times to read the same page for you to get it and it's hard work. God is saying the glory of God is going to be where everything is at peace. It's all at peace. But then we get this this recipe for how that glory that you are going to experience, how that how that glory is cooked up here on earth. All right. So now you got justification. You've been made right with God. Then you get the what God is going to paint the picture as what he's going to make. He's going to make all things new. But now you're going to hear what it looks like on earth. What it looks like on earth, what what it's going to take to get to that reality. Continue with me in verse three, Romans five, verse three. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces what? Hope. It's kind of a, a, a hope sandwich. I, I lift, put it up there, but you'll see he lists hope of the glory of, of God, suffering, endurance, character, then hope for the glory of God again. What, what is happening? You see, while there's an idea, there's a reality that God promises that glory is going to happen where we have no pain. Right now, we experience pain. Right now, there is a darkness. Right now, we are longing. Right now, we are hurting. And so God says, look, there is a hope that I want you to have and what will someday be where you experience no pain. But the way in which I'm going to work that out in you, the way in which I'm going to build your strength and your ability to someday experience that is to have you go through sufferings and experience tribulations now. And why does that matter? Because that that is the world that Jesus Christ enters into. Jesus Christ enters into a broken society, a society where people were being killed. If you start reading the narratives of Jesus when he enters in, when the king hears about Jesus coming, kids are killed for that are two years old and younger. I mean, there's a power struggle that is taking place when you start to read this narrative. There is a desire for man to be God and no one worshiped except man alone. And so Jesus enters in 
to this story as the Savior, but us having a joy and a hope in that glory only becomes really real when you realize what he's saving us from. When you realize what you got to go through on this side of heaven. So let's talk about sufferings a little bit. Let's talk about how God could use what are what are some sufferings that are taking place today that you would want Jesus to. Would you come now and save us? Would you come now and help us? Would you come now and make all things new? Maybe it's some things that's generally personal to you. Maybe you want them to come today because of issues like immigration. Maybe you want him to come today because of issues like poverty. Maybe you want him to come today because your eyes hurt because you've been rolling your eyes so much at all the politicians. (laughs) Maybe there's some some general sin type things that are going on that 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 make you say, come, Jesus, come, come, Lord Jesus, come. But then there's some. Some personal stuff. Maybe there's an experience you had in your childhood that for whatever reason you just can't shake and it is hurting you. Hurting those you love, hurting relationships you have today. And you are saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. Maybe it is, it is the way in which you view yourself and others view you in one way, but you can't see yourself the way God views you or the way your friends view you, and you have this messed up image of self. And you are saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. I know for me, one of the, one of the things that has just been a personal journey of mine has been God working out my pride. And, and, and I thought that I was going to be the giver. I thought the, 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 that I would be the giver. And the Lord has set me up to put me in a place where I'm constantly asking. I'm constantly saying, come out of grad school, two degrees, thinking I'm going to do this. And the Lord says, no, you're going to go raise funds and ask other people to help sustain your living. And then you're going to be crazy enough to have some awesome people in the house that believe that a nonprofit can start. So, yep, you're going to have to be oftentimes the only black guy in the room, only black person in the room. And yes, you have to ask for help. And yeah, you are going to... uh, hear from me that you need to adopt and you're going to have to ask for help. You see, if, if we let suffering just be something that's out there, it, uh, it, it, it really doesn't, we really don't need and have to say, Jesus, come. But when you start dealing with issues of the heart, like, like, like we got to put our pride aside. I know when that pride wells up and I'm fighting against it. And sometimes I get tired of that fight. And I'm like, come, Lord Jesus, 
come. But those are internal things. The reality is we all are pretty cool. We all are pretty safe. If I could read to you just a quick message from Open Doors USA. Uh, this was taken from Religious News Service Network. Um, so uh, they kind of gather information about Christianity all over the world. And this was three years ago. They said that persecution of Christians had hit historic levels in 2014, and they were worried that it would peak even more in 2015. I was not able to find a newer uh, study that they had done, but they just discussed Christians that were willing to say they love Jesus, the numbers that were facing torture, beheadings, uh, um, taken advantage of physically, and that worldwide there were Christians that are living in fears of their lives today. In the, well, three years ago. We say that Christian persecution reached its historic level in 2014 with approximately 100 million Christians around the world facing possible dire consequences for merely practicing their religion. The coming of Christ is not about some like nice gift wrapped paper and not about packages, not about gifts. It's about us saying, Abba, Father, there is a reality that is broken. It is jacked up, whether it is in the world and the world is punishing our church, whether it is in our society and our society is different from other societies, whether it is in our hearts. And God would say, and I'm going to use all of that as the environment by which I'm going to see you experience my glory. See you experience my glory, my peace. Because if you believe that I can do this, if you believe that I can create a place where all things are new, you are restored, then you won't wait until you get there. You'll start living passionately now. In the midst of that suffering, which is why he then says, yes, it creates endurance. Why? Because you're going to need some endurance to get through the suffering that's coming your way, church. I was uh, looking through the Bible and, and was just clearly realizing that this goal of churches being able to have their focus on the glory of God, but actually persevering through suffering that's going to get us there, and that suffering be something that continues to create a need in us for Christ. And, and, and there was one church, well, there's many churches throughout the Bible, but there was a church that gave us an example of it in Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 8 says this, verses 1 through 5. It says, we want to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty had overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. 
For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means and of their accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. What's happening here, y'all? This is basically a church that is facing all types of persecution, worshiping that much more when there was no way that they should have been giving, actually gave more exceedingly. What do you think God was creating in that church? What type of character was God producing in that church? I I, I can tell you personally, I've seen as I eat my pride, the character that God is creating in me. It looks more like him when I do it, when I listen. Not perfect at it at all. But, but, but that's why he then says after endurance, character. Character. You, you ever seen a, a little kid talk to an adult like they the adult? They're to- totally out of character. Something, something's wrong here. Where, where, where's my children? Children, raise your hand. Can y'all, can y'all name a couple of cartoon characters for us? Come on, Dasani. SpongeBob. Liza? Elmo. Okay. So you see, you come to know, that's good, guys. Thank you. You come to know characters, cartoon characters, for their personalities. You never see Elmo act like SpongeBob, right? Just not, not his character. You never see, you know, Roadrunner acting like Batman. You know what I'm saying? It just it doesn't go down like that. So, so, the, so the question then begins to become like, like, what longing have you had for Jesus to come where you needed to depend on him through suffering that he would use to work your character out? That he would use to say, ah, there's some traits in you. There's some, some aspects about your character that's out of whack because you represent me and you're not reflecting me right now. You're out of character. But what I'll use, I'll use something like suffering. I'll use something like a hope of what could be. I'll use this need, this longing for you and I to want this Savior to enter in as a means of growing and shaping and refining our character. It's a, hope is a, a, a joyful thing, but hope is always something that's not attainable right now. It's not, it's, it's, if you have it already, that's not hope. That's certainty. I, uh, I, look, I look at our kids, and uh, our kids are creating... Christmas lists. And those lists, uh, they've given to grandparents and stuff, and they try to, you know, like mom and dad, we don't always really even look at the list, but they'll try to, you know, slide that mug under the door. You know, somehow you got a Christmas list in your wallet, you know, I mean, they just try to surprise you with it. But I've, I've never seen a child make a Christmas list of items they already have at home. It's always 
a hope for what you will get them. There's always a hope of, of the one who has authority in the house being willing to provide. That's what we're talking about today, family. Is, is our hope in what Christ can do based, one, on our need, our longing, our desire, but also what he's done. Because he's proven himself. He's shown himself. He's shown himself faithful. In the midst when we were in need, he came once as a child. Look at Isaiah, Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. He's shown himself faithful. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We just sang it, right? We just sang it. But do, but do you believe that it happened? Do you believe that there were people in darkness that were hurting and crying out, come, Lord, come. And then Jesus came. If you believe that, if we believe that, then we have a hope. Because he did it once. If he did it before, come on, he will do it again. Come on now. And, and that's why he's painting this picture of glory. He's painting this picture of someday I'm going to make all things new. Oh, you don't believe it? I did it once. That first time I came to die for your sins, to get your heart right. And now I've got you. I'm excited to see you persevering on this workout plan through suffering because I'm trying to get your character right to reflect me. And the thing that is the gravest thing in your life, the thing that just keeps complicating your life, the thing that's so jacked up. Don't you know I want to make all things new for you in that area? Don't you know what brings you tears in this life when you see others hurting? Don't you know I want to make all things new? If you know that, is your hope in me? If you know that, is your hope placed in me? And now we know it. Look at verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God has fulfilled his promise. He came in the form of a child that would grow into a man that would die on the cross for our sins. He told us he was coming, and he came. So this season of Advent is about the coming of Christ. But you know what? He told us he was coming, and he came. And now he tells us that he's coming again. Are you, are you hopeful? Does this world kind of lull us? 
this is not a good equation for a church in a hot room, but does the, love, does the world lull us to sleep? Does it, does, it, does it calm us to not think about, man, what would it look like to have nothing but peace? Nothing but peace. Does it lull us to sleep and we stop dreaming, we stop imagining, or even worse, on this side of heaven, that we stop working towards it? You see, if you believe in that future image of glory, then you believe in the God that will get us there. And now he's planted in each and every one of us opportunities for our character to grow and reflect him that much more. So I, uh, so I picked this, this passage because I think it gives us a, a good understanding of hope. But part of my job is to shepherd and care for you all. God willing, I'll provide you God-centered discernment, God-centered encouragement, a listening ear that shows you that the Lord loves you. But pretty often... My role is to tell you about the Lord and then just sit back with a bag of popcorn and watch him work in your life. And watch him work in your life. Like, 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 like I believe that God can do far more in your life than I can. And I have a hope for what God can do in your life. But, but the beauty of why he gives us community is sometimes my hope is weak as a person. So I might need Zeke to have hope for me. And sometimes your hope is weak. And so what we need to do as a community is be trusting and believing in things when sometimes some of us are slipping. Even today, I'm sad that Matthew had to see that. Because I've seen a lot of great work, not only from organizations, I've seen some neighbors chipping in together, mowing yards of homes that have been abandoned for years. I've seen them board up homes together. Just this week, the three houses across from us got boarded up. I don't know why. I've seen the neighborhood having some things become healthier and then boom. And sometimes when you are going through life doing stuff, that one thing could be the camel that just break the, the, the straw that can't break the camel's back, you know? Where you just like, all right, I'm okay today. I'm okay today. I'm okay today. And why am I here? It'd be so much easier if I just was here or worked here or served here or lived here or worshiped here or did this here. We have to believe and have hope that everything that we're working towards, the difficulties, the sufferings, all that is working towards a glory that God has for us to experience, and it gives us hope for today. So as I get to watch your, uh, your, your movie, I'm, I'm excited. But it, it doesn't mean that any of you are the hero. See, Jesus is the hero of every one of your stories, and I wish that I could also say that all stories end up well. Some of y'all are going to be like the Titanic, baby. I'm sorry. We might go down with the ship. 
But as I've seen movies like End of the Spear that I hope you would watch, just because we might even get to a point of death for the sake of the cross, it is worth it because of the future hope and glory that we get a chance to experience. Not even death is victorious over the Jesus we serve. So I, I leave you with this verse, Hebrews 9, verse 28. Just to remind you of, of, of the promises. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Our prayer, family, is that as you are here, you are wrestling with what is my salvation look like, Lord? Am I worshiping you? Am I serving you? Is my hope in you? Of the worst situations in my life, do I trust you to heal and work through them? Do I trust you to use crazy stuff to grow me? Do I trust you, Lord, to come, Jesus, come? If you do, then I celebrate with you as we march on towards glory. But if you don't, your faith, your hope, and your trust is in something that is going to fail you. So if you even today would like to accept Jesus into your heart, I will be up here after service. We would love to see you grow in Christ and know Christ. Don't worry about what nobody else is doing. If somebody talking to you and you want to you know Christ, say, excuse me, I need to go talk to the pastor. I'll be back. I'll be here. Let us pray. Lord, we are thankful that our hope is in you. I don't want to make the season dreary and down, Lord. I'm so excited for people seeing family and exchanging gifts of love and being kind to one another, having time to rest and time off work. All those things are great. But Lord, when you, when you came, it, it wasn't to that environment. It was, a, it was to an environment where we needed you, where we longed for you, where our hearts groaned and moaned for a Savior. May we not get so comfortable that we forget that today we still need you. May our hearts cry out, come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.